Hey, welcome back to the Big Esports Podcast. You know, when anybody has an interesting conversation, the meme is that they say, hey, we should make a podcast. People would love what we have to talk about. Well, all jokes aside, this is pretty much what happened. I organized a meeting with Patrick and met him through LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, we're clicking well and I've got a lot to learn from you. I think we should jump on a podcast and he agreed. So this was the result. Unfortunately, the sound is sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired because we are all working from home now and sometimes the dog likes to join the podcast and the conversation for a few pats. So if you can look past that, I think we have a great conversation together about his history in music, specifically working say, with Panic at the Disco and how esports teams and organizations are monetizing. The data says that most teams are getting most or in my opinion maybe too much of their revenue from sponsorship and patrick is one man who's running a company called we are nations that's trying to change that through licensing and selling of merchandise so enjoy this podcast i did too stay home stay safe for those of you who have also lost your employment or are looking to skill up we're trying to help here at big esports we have an esports fundamentals course which is helping people to understand an entry point into the employment within the esports and gaming market whether you're coming straight out of college university high school or whether you're trying to transition from another sport to provide support for all of you we're offering a pay as you feel model so you can head to bigesports.gg forward slash education if you've lost your main line of employment and you can't afford to pay right now at all that's perfectly fine. We're able to offer it up to you for free. You can pay now, you can pay later, you can choose whatever you want. The course is usually $127 AUD. You can take it now for whatever you feel is appropriate or whatever you're able to afford. Hopefully, this will help a few of you get back on your feet in the short term and also the long term. We're live. Patrick, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good, man. Good. I'd say to say this is the first time I've done a LinkedIn Live and someone's been sitting on a couch. So This is my, uh, this is my current home office. We're all, we're all working from home. And uh, yeah, yeah, I have to use my man cave because my wife technically has the office in the house. So yeah, she's not giving that up. So I had to, I had to, <laughs> I had to convert the man cave. So we're all, sitting on we're the all couch. To, yeah, at some point in the next whenever the dog who's laying over here will probably come over. So we'll have to. Yeah, that's the that's the hardest thing I find working from home. I have a greyhound, and usually when I work from home, especially if I have a lot of meetings or a LinkedIn live or whatever, I have to walk him twice in a day. Otherwise, he'll yeah. go nuts. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she's got. She got about an hour and a half for dinner, so I think we'll get through. <laughs> That's good. That's good, man. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm I'm the opposite. I'm in this I'm in the studio here at Playside, but um, there's no one here. <laughs> there's one one person working from the office, so it's kind of like the it's kind of like the opposite for me. You can go into the office and everything's empty. But it was funny. I drove into the office two days ago. Traffic was mm-hmm. as normal as can be, but today yeah. pretty dead here in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole new world for for now. You know, I mean, it's uh. We're all trying to figure it out. I mean, you know, I've been telling people that it feels like feels like nine eleven a little bit, but like sort of on slow motion, you know. But, yeah, I was I was talking with you know the, another prolific esports LinkedIn guy this morning on WhatsApp. Her mate, yeah, okay. um, we're having a bit of a chat back and forward, and he was saying the same stuff. I think for me, nine eleven was harder to understand because a, you know, I think I was in grade two or three when it happened, so I was quite young. Um, and two, you know, from Australia, so I didn't feel like that exact impacts. But he said exactly uh-huh. the same thing this morning as well. So it's interesting you said that too. Well, I just remember, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I lived in New York at the time, so I, you know, I saw mm. I saw the towers both both of them come down. You know, right afterwards, there was this sense of just people just were lost. They didn't know what to do next, and mm. you know, 
I, I felt like people came together. And I, I think that there was like, especially in New York, um, there was this sort of sense of togetherness. And, you know, you get that in New York when, when things are going wrong, you know, people working together and helping each other out and helping neighbors that you don't normally yeah. see in a typical day in New York. But there was still this sort of sense of just what to do. You know, and no one was ready for it. You know, we, we, we had to go back to New Jersey and we waited in line for a ferry for six hours. I think my sister, my sister and I, and, and my wow. now wife uh, sat in line for a ferry for six hours. And, you know, um, people were passing out water and no one was cutting line. It was truly really remarkable. But I remember our business, it took our business, because uh, that was just music merchandising at the time. It, you know, every mm. single one of our bands canceled, every, you know, canceled their tours temporarily, just like now. I, mm. I think shorter, the, the periods will be shorter. I think we were probably back online and maybe a week or, or 10 days once the flight started again. And I think it will certainly it's going to be longer yeah. now, but we were just sitting there trying to figure out what to do next. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I we're, we're, you know, we're watching our business and, uh, you know, our e-com business is down. It's been down this week since it's really blown up, but, you know, talking to the teams, we're in communication with all our teams. We're trying to figure out what the next step is and, and how to sort of, how to sort of reboot things and get, get things back on track. And the one thing that is a constant is everyone's, everyone's, uh, Everyone's traffic, everyone's web traffic and, and, and social media traffic is up by, you know, I think mm. the number we're using is sort of on average 30%. So, you know, you're sort of seeing that cause and effect, right? Mm. You know, I think specific to esports, uh, you know, we're going to be good and we're going to be good. Mm. There's, 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 it's okay. Like I said, in my article uh, I, I published yesterday in, in ESI, you know, it's, it's okay to see the silver lining in the cloud. And, and I think, you know, we have some opportunities here. You know, we have to, can't ignore the bigger mm-hmm. problem, right? But, you know, uh, It'll pass, and we'll get through it. And you know, let's let's find ways to 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 make the new normal. Uh, you know, September 11th changed the United States, changed the world. Uh, will this? I'm sure it will. But we'll just find our way through and find new ways to do things. I'm, I'm absolutely confident of that. Yeah, it was it was um, yeah interesting. You were saying about you know the the viewership and this kind of stuff up. I I posted a status. I think it was yesterday. I see it almost like um, investing with you know buy the dip and kind of ride the market. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of the streamers that we work with, their viewership is up. Some people, one and a half X viewers. Obviously, you know, donations are down because people are wanting to save money. They're uncertain. Mm-hmm. Um, ad revenue is down across the board. You know, the um, CEO and founder of Gamers Group who own Dot Esports and a few other platforms, they posted in my Facebook group saying that, you know, they're down 20 to 30%, I think, on ad revenue. And they're, and they're looking, forecasting it to be down 40%. You know, some VCs are saying to them, keep 12-month cash on hand and things like that. But the way that I see it is that let's say that, you know, you're a Twitch streamer and you go, mm-hmm. righto, I was doing it part-time. Well, now I can kind of do it full-time, I guess. I'm working mm-hmm. from home. Going to invest as much as I can. Yes, I'm going to make less in donations at the moment. Yes, I'm going to make mm-hmm. less in ad revenue. But if I can increase my viewership by, say, 50%, and then after the end of all of this saga, um, 25 to 25 to 50% of that 50% leave and don't come back, but I've still got a grown audience. So when the money tap has turned back on, you know, I was sitting along pretty at, you know, 80 concurrent viewers, which you can maybe scrape together a full-time job from. I know some people who can, but maybe mm-hmm. after this storm, I'm sitting pretty at, at 150, 130, which is when you mm-hmm. can start talking to sponsors about paying you some cash for your work and, you yeah. know, maybe start opening up your own Patreon and give yourself a bit of a step ahead. But obviously for it's not for everyone, and I've I've seen lots of people posting on the entrepreneur subreddit of you know twenty two year old companies that are going out of business because they can't operate with two weeks with zero dollars revenue and things like that too. So definitely some people are struggling, but the opportunity, like you said, is really interesting to me. You know, looking at 
um, Formula One, you know, going online. The V8 Supercars here in Australia, that's an official Supercars League that they've announced mm-hmm. that's going to be going online instead of live with real-life drivers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking today to um, – I don't think I can mention who it is, but I'm talking to another sport today. And even yesterday, I had a great call with the CEO of Truaxis, which is a company that makes a, an a app kind of very technical game for skateboarding and for surfing, saying, hey, oh, how cool. do we – how do we mobilize this? How do we keep yeah, people yeah. in the market and, you know, keep something happening? Because if all the live events are closing, that money is not just going to disappear. There's still mm-hmm. there's still e-commerce going on, like you said, although it might be down a bit. But, you know, if you were going to sponsor Coachella and you had a $2 million marketing budget put aside, what are you, what are you doing with that $2 million? Can you mm-hmm. reduce it to even 500 k and spend it online? Like there's mm-hmm. there's got to be some opportunities. You, you can't just stop your business entirely. I mean, the, you know, again, we're talking about our specific piece of pie and an overall you know, global situation. I mean, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. world is not going to be able to stop for much longer than 30, 60 days, I, I would assume, right? I mean, and people start going crazy, mm-hmm. for one. I mean, leave it to a VC to say have 12, 12 months worth of cash on hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that's, that's a pretty big number. Um, yeah, you know, that so is. Something, so, something's going to something's gonna have to break. And, you know, uh, y- you got every government in the world proposing stimulus i know there's talk about stimulus here and there's talk about stimulus in europe different forms of 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 economic stimulus and Mm, that should that should here comes the dog that should uh you know that 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 should sort of help people's confidence i know the market was down again like super crazy today um Mm. i don't know if you woke you probably woke up to that but it was definitely another 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 big day of of down and uh Mm. you know consumer confidence will, will will bounce back that stimulus will help I, I, we'll, we'll get our e-commerce business back you know for sure mm. yeah mm. And, you know, and people get their ad revenue back and to your point it's it's you've got this captive audience of of maybe whatever x amount more people that are out there to be sort of found or to find you mm. right doing what you're doing and and, and uh, yeah i think it's that's that those are the things we have to think about so yeah yeah, it's all about it's all about that silver lining. But but for you, um, you know, I know this has been covered in many different articles, but I'm sure that a lot of people aren't aware of your history. Can you give just a, a quick rundown of you know who you are and and what you've done in in the past twenty years in the music and games industry? Well, I think it's been more than twenty, but um, yeah, I've been doing merchandise I think since 90, 1993, and that's because the band that I was in, I you know, I was always in bands through high school. Um, uh, I always thought I was going to be a rock star. You know all that. Um, it was like my sole focus from like sixteen on is is playing guitar and playing in bands. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, sort of fast forward to nineteen ninety three when the when the last band broke up and I didn't have a job and I didn't have a place to live. Um, and uh, we had just come off tour and and uh, we had literally lost. True story. We had literally lost a box of t shirts, which is like six dozen, so seventy two shirts. We had lost them. We lost them in Little Rock, Arkansas. Actually, I remember where we lost <laughs> them. Um, and, and uh, we had to pay for them. It was like 600 bucks. So um, I got a job at the screen printer cleaning screens and just like sweeping the floor or whatever, uh, you know, to pay, but like, you know, it was like 10 bucks an hour or something like that. And I, I kept six and they kept four until my $600 was, was paid off. And I mean, I, I guess I never really left, you know, I just, you know, that, that job led to another job, led to another job. And, um, you know, we uh, started working, always you know so we always took that screen printing and focused it with music those are still still wanted to do something in music so just started mm-hmm. calling but bands just started calling bands that i knew and said hey can 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 we make you merchandise and signed a couple bands up and one day i got a call about this band called oasis which uh probably heard of a little young you know mm-hmm. third grade maybe it's it first grade <laughs> beer. 
kindergarten. Maybe. But uh, and we started working with them, and that was probably the first really big band that I worked with, and that led to meeting people and other opportunities, and I just sort of sort of climbed. I guess climbed the 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 career ladder and and uh, mm. and and you know uh, just have always done that. Um, but you know, fast forward to 2014, I guess it was is is a you know my current business partner Chris Cornell and I heard about esports and we were sort of at a crossroads with our music company where uh, you know there's you know in the music business there's always a lot of consolidation and there's there's a couple companies looking at us as a potential acquisition um and you know we went down the road with a couple people and did some due diligence and at the end of the day it's it's, you know it was really chris started that company the merch company he ultimately decided that he didn't want to didn't want to sell it that you know and the, the best answer that we ever come up with is because we're having too much fun you know and it works really well for us you know so mm-hmm. Uh, there's no answer past that really there's no there's no technical business answer it's just we just you want to keep it and uh but we're like you know you have this sort of entrepreneurial itch so what are we going to do next and you know we got introduced to esports you know you know in, in retrospect it's funny we got introduced to esports through a through a vc guy so there you go but um uh, we went <laughs> to uh, yeah we went to an event we went we we went to uh, we met a couple teams and we went to a couple events and i remember the first big event i went to was esl one in, in cologne and I'll be the first to admit that, and I was with Chris, my partner, and I'll be the first to admit that it was, you know, it was a beautiful Saturday, sunny Saturday in Cologne on the river and nice day. And I'll be the first to admit we almost didn't go because we were having too much fun, you know, on rented bikes going up and down the river. But we started seeing all these kids, you know, um, just start congregating. You know, we went, went around to the arena and we saw all these kids con- congregating around and like hey, these guys are these guys and girls are a lot like the like kids are coming to our concerts like you know this could be outside of a panic at the disco show or a follow boy show or or something and you know they're all wearing these really crazy weird colorful sublimated jerseys i wonder what that's all about but you know other than that they're the they're the same kids that are coming to our our show so we we, we went in and 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 it was uh if i remember correctly i don't I, i'm not gonna remember correctly but it was it was a like a, one of the you know, one of the russian teams and and, and maybe a polish team uh in the finals, we watched the final match and, you know, C- CSGO luckily was something that you can get right away. You know, it's like, you can understand mm. how it works and um, mm. just pulled in immediately. I mean, there's 15,000 kids there, you know, the, the production was like any concert production and, and you know, it's uh, the pace and the timing and the cadence of the, of, of the event was like everything we were totally familiar with from the music side. And we're like, it was like an aha moment for us, you know? Um, and, and that's what started nations. And, you know, we, we, we knew that we had, um, we knew that we had the sort of, uh, infrastructure, you know, and backroom and, and, and ability to produce and the ability to distribute around the world. And also for me, it was like, almost like the second coming of punk rock, you know, um, I think that's changing quickly, but at the time it still felt very DIY to me. And, you know, yeah. um, and I was like, I, I could relate to that. I couldn't quite understand the game you know, games, um, mm. but seeing, especially going, you know, later events like, uh, you know, pre-call duty league, you go to, to like one of the, one of the, one of the opens or something like in Las Vegas, something like that. I think that was my second event and, you know, walking around on Thursday or, or Friday in the, in the open bracket. And, and, you know, you had those hundred teams of, of kids that, that, you know, were just amateurs. Right. And, you know, you're watching them mm. get together and, and, and get their teams together and, and whatever it take, takes to, to put your team together you know practice and they're getting their 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 jerseys and stuff like that and 
that was really a, another aha moment for me because it's like that's what I used to do. I mean, I used to play in bands and we would mm. book our own shows and put out our own music and all that sort of stuff. And that was just the just the modern day equivalent. And and so that was really relatable to us. And I, I that was really you had me. That's when that's when it had me. You know, it was the the opportunity to sort of get involved in in an emerging in, in, in an emerging uh, cultural and sports and you know event again was 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 all it really mm. took and we started nations that, that's that's pretty much the story yeah, it's it's interesting going back to like your start you know working at the screen printer like it's a super common question i get asked all the time is you know i want a job in esports where do i start and usually i say just pick one thing and stick with it yeah um you know people it it's, seems to be like that i don't know if they're spoiled for choice or they just don't know where to go to but you know people just don't know where to start and i think starting sweeping the floors and cleaning screen printers it it gives you access to that industry like you said it allows you to yeah. pivot to you know gain more agency within the company to do more work in different ways and you know for me i started off as a commentator a freelance commentator volunteer on an online radio station and in one game battlefield 2 and from there i said to them hey guys you guys aren't in counter-strike can i do that and i said yeah if you want to do it you can go yeah. and do it and then sure. I started doing flash game reviews and then started doing some marketing and that kind of led me, you know, ABCD to help me to land my first job because I met mm-hmm. a company and they liked the marketing work I did for them. So then they wanted to hire me off the back of that. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a great thing you're saying. And then also the, you know, the, a question for you, I guess, was that always your plan to, you know, start off as, as a screen printing and then move your way up into opening your own business? Like how did your goals change over time as you went, you know, as you went forward? It's a good question, actually, because, it, it, um, you know, I, it, it, it took me, you know, I enjoyed I enjoyed working with the bands. You know, I, I, it was easy for me to sort of mm. accept the fact that that my playing days were over. That wasn't that hard. In you know, you know, we, the band broke up and I never mm. bothered to get another one together. And I was able to throw myself into the merchandise and, and, and still, t- you know, touch what I loved, you know, Um mm. But I, you know, I still didn't quite understand, you know, I still never quite figured out where it was all going. You know, that took time. I think I just, you know, remember I'm 24 at this point. That's, you know, it's, it's a, that's that, that's a very impressionable age. I, I, I think I sort of realized I was in it as a lifer, probably by 35, when I, you know, started getting senior roles in companies, things like that, and finding that, you know, we could build this. And, you know, the, the, the tra- trajectory of music was, was helpful too. I mean, again, talk about, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but, you know, Again, esports is disruption, right? It's it's disrupting traditional sports, and right now it's really disrupting traditional sports. You know, um, yeah. and you know, music got disrupted too, and then suddenly merchandise came became like a big money maker. I remember when I first started, it was almost an afterthought for a lot of these bands because they were making so much money off selling CDs. You know, mm. um, and 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 labels were paying ridiculous advances and uh you know minimum you know get, uh, show guarantees were higher and and, and and like so merchandise was like yeah that's the last deal i'll do but you know it didn't take long you know once streaming started and all that and all the disruption started that 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 merchandising was a was a you know primary earner for a lot of bands and mm. that's probably the last piece of the puzzle where i'm like going okay well i don't there's never ever have to be ashamed about being like the merch guy anymore suddenly we're like you know we're like a, a major component of someone's someone's business um but yeah, I mean, it's just probably the best way to put it is uh, discovering the esports thing was like it was like a blessing almost. It's like okay, I get to do this again. I mean, I get to, I get to be at the forefront of something again. I'll take mm. that. It's great, you know. And and you know, given the fact that you know, if you look at our employees, and, and this is maybe my favorite part is, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. Maybe I was never the smartest guy in the room, but I'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room now. I don't know much about gaming per se. 
what I've picked up, I've learned from my staff. You know, you know, I've got mm. I've got sports guys. My COO comes from traditional sports, and then the rest of my staff is pretty much you know sort of endemic gamers. You know, and and, and I'm learning from those guys every single day still. You know, mm. so that that's been great too. Keeps you young. Yeah, something you said something you said before. Um, I wanted to touch on that. You were saying about it's like. Esports is like the the resurgence of punk rock or the second coming of punk rock, and it's a really interesting thing. I guess like you know when esports started breaking into into the traditional sports media, like mm-hmm. twelve months ago or thereabouts, when sports teams mm-hmm. started buying esports teams, a super common question people would ask me is, you know, Chris, what do you think of traditional sports people, fans, and companies that hate on esports that say it's not a real sport? I don't like it. And I say, I don't care because we're creating our own culture. If we can, if we can, you know, like you said with ASL Cologne, if, if we can put 15,000 kids into a stadium, why should we care about what the local basketball league thinks about us? Why should we care even what the NFL, you know, thinks about us or a player in the NFL thinks about us? We're, we've created our own industry. You know, I don't, I don't worry about what the, what the AFL industry in Australia cares about cars. I'm sure the car industry doesn't care about them that much either. You know, it's a, it's a different industry. And I think that sometimes it's hard because esports for so long has been punching up and I always describe it as like the opposite to virtual reality. I feel like every single tech company has been forcing down the throat of gamers for years. Like, you need to care about VR. VR is important. Whereas esports has been really the opposite. You know, like eight years ago, um, being on a StarCraft II forum in, in Southeast Asia, people saying, hey, Christmas is coming up. Go and evangelize esports, basically. You might have an uncle that works high up in Deloitte. Go and tell him what esports is and how cool it is. You might have an auntie that's a executive for Coca-Cola or something like that. You know, go and educate them on what esports is. And so long, esports has been like that unloved child where mm-hmm. it's like just please care about me pay attention we're all here yeah. we're all playing games there's millions of us um you know hundreds of thousands of, of views on, on videos and this kind of stuff too but the brands often have just been like i don't understand so i don't care and i'm gonna go spend more money in, in rugby or something like mm-hmm. that too but mm-hmm. now that payoff is starting to happen it's interesting to see and now that a lot of these um traditional companies who would have passed it up and now coming into that space and so many of them are saying the same things as you is almost like how did i not discover this earlier mm-hmm. and also it just makes perfect sense for me to be in here right now um and it makes absolutely no sense for me not to be in here <laughs> i guess re- re-explaining the fact yeah well you know i mean it, it's it's i think it's accelerating faster than 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 maybe music did in terms of like if you were to argue that eventually sort of punk rock com- was made commercial by green day i guess is the is the sort of or nirvana or whatever is that's sort of the conventional st- story of how that goes i mean that mm-hmm. took that took decades right i, I with, with with esports it's it's a, it's it's going faster but you know it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter i i saw i think a tweet today or something from mike Rufail from from envy and he it was kind of like oh man esports is so corporate right now and and you know my default honestly my default uh you know the way i read that is like it's 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 he's being critical and i sort of scrolled through some of the replies and you know i mean he's he's saying no it's 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 mostly good and i i think you know mm-hmm. i think i agree i think it, it's just it, it, it's certainly fueling a lot uh you know that that involvement is a, a fueling a lot of growth um will it correct will it adjust probably but everything does it's, it's not an esports thing that's just that's just a business thing um mm-hmm. you know and 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 that's fine and, and and great and 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 but you know esports still and will be for a long time i think um still a place where anyone can come in and you just basically you know your your, your business plan is could literally be you know better to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission right there's still there's still things you can do and there will mm-hmm. be for a long time to, to make up new stuff or disrupt 
or, or whatever, you know, and, 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 and that will be, you know, you know, sort of parallel to what's going on in the sort of corporate side, you know, mm. definitely no doubt about it. Yeah. And a, and a question I, I pre-warned you about last time we chatted and I, I talked to Justin Jacobson about this, who's a New York lawyer that represents some music clients as well as esports players is someone in the past has told me, or a few people have told me that esports functions more like the music industry than it does mm-hmm. like the professional traditional sports industry. Could you explain like in your own terms, like, what you think that means um, and, and ways that it may function more like music than it does like traditional sports? Uh, you know, I, I think, your average esports organization, uh, there's probably a couple. Th- I mean, there's probably a lot of them, but the ones that that, that I sort of touch myself uh, on the merch side is is the you know the average esports organization doesn't necessarily operate solely like a sports franchise. I would still argue that if you're anybody, the New York Giants, Man United, whatever, your primary objective is to be really good at whatever sport you play. With esports, the quality of play is still very important, obviously. I think the way it was born, and given the fact that a lot of the fans are also players themselves, that lifestyle element has always been part of it. To me, esports is more like surfing and skating than a traditional sport, just simply because so many people that watch the pro teams also mm. play themselves. Um, so how's that tie in the music business? I just think there's a, you're, you're selling more of a lifestyle than, 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 than with, with your team org than, than you are with the uh, a traditional sport, I, 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 you know, and I think that is a big, pretty big touch point when you compare it to sort of music. I mean, it's 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 a sort of an art form, and and and, and you're sort of selling a lifestyle and a, a dream or whatever when you're selling music. You know, that's 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 one way. Is as far as the business goes, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, from a from a business model, I, I, I haven't really seen that to be honest. I, I, I honestly see the more successful deals in esports being based on traditional best practice regardless of, of of where that best practice comes from so you know i am kind of a big fan of franchising i think it ultimately makes sense i'm not doing much with it yet because it's it's it, uh but i but from from a from a standpoint i i i i, I agree with it um mm-hmm. you know the way the way we do our merchandise deals are they're just <laughs> traditional licenses you know i mean there's a lot of companies out there it's like you know these plug and play merch companies that you know will charge you 15 and you can charge 30 and keep the 15 you know print yeah. on demand or whatever it's like that's really not where we're coming from we're we're we're, we're, we're giving our clients a traditional license with royalties and we're operating at like we would operate any ip license you know and, and we support it with 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 brand building and marketing and an art department and, and and all that sort of stuff that's but that's just born from you know my years and years of experience in music and alex our coo comes from sports merchandising and you know any mm. any any merchandising program is like that you know and as it's it's funny because I didn't really work with like a forty seven or a an outer stuff until we've done esports, you know, and those are like music merchandise. Sorry, sports merchandisers, and lo and behold, they don't operate much differently than than we did, you know. So it's it's yeah, it's there's you know there's a way to do merch, and and that's kind of kind of what we're trying to develop in the sport. It's funny, like the initial thing for me with my business hat on, the main difference that you guys are doing in the in the esports industry is a new. You know, when you're a new brand coming into the space, is you're taking some of the risk. So often, you know, so many brands will approach me and say, "Esports and gaming looks amazing. I'd love to be involved, both feed in, but also I don't want to make any risk, and I need to have a you know clear line to make profit in day one. Um, and you know, I want everything for free, and also you as a consultant will pay you in um, revenue share only. <laughs> you know, for all your IP and your work and things like that. And I, and I think that's a big difference between you know, what you guys are doing. If you're licensing these people's products, it shows that you believe in them and you believe in their reach and, you know, what and what they can do. 
is merchandising yet becoming a significant part of their revenue streams? Like, you know, all of the public data says that, you know, even up to 95% of most revenue streams from these teams come directly from sponsorship. You know, they don't really get much out of, um, you know, contrary to public belief, especially a lot of the investors I talk to, they don't make a lot of money off prize pools at all. Most of that goes to the players. Um, and the teams are also taking a lot of risk. You know, I talked to um, a team owner about this before, Raynad from Tempo Storm, you know, saying that, you know, he's not a believer at all in the traditional esports business model because you're paying a salary basically to an influencer and they can almost leave at any time. And you're, you know, you're taking a lot of risk on there too. So I'd be interested to get your thoughts. Uh, I would say that, that we're not there. I mean, merchandise isn't, I think you're right. I think sponsorship is still the bigger, the bigger number right now. I, it, it, you know, cause we've still got mm. markets. We've still got markets to open up. I mean, if you look at you know, let's use music again as as as, as the comparison because I know it best. I mean, our, our biggest driver is 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 is, is sales at, at concerts, right? But then mm. you've got a but then you've got a band, you know, a big band like Panic at the Disco again, for example. It's probably everyone knows it, and one of our clients is you know they're doing 30, 40, 50, 60 dates in a cycle. Um, you know, with an average average you know ticket sales of fifteen thousand or twenty thousand or whatever, and you know. Mm. That, that adds up, you know, that adds up. So that's a, that's a big part of our driver. And then times that by like the 25 or 30 bands that we have touring every year. So that's a, that's a big number, you know, on the esports, we don't have that yet, that, that, that live event network, you know? Mm. Um, so we'll do, t- you know, we, last year we did both LCSs, of course, and uh, we're good for two or three sort of legal legends, sorry, uh, CSGO majors say we've on average we've been doing. And so we just simply don't have, the, the amount of events that we do on the music side. Um, and so that needs to be flushed out. We need to figure that out because as, as events increase, uh, we need to get those sales up. And for us, it's, it's, you know, whether or not we're just sending product to someone like a blast or, or helping, a, another tournament with their concessions, it doesn't matter. We just gotta, we just gotta figure out a way to sell more merchandise at live events. Um, mm. that'll bring, that'll bring up numbers. Um, you know, and and e- e- e-commerce is probably growing on par. I mean, that, but that makes sense, right? I mean, it's 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 just such so sort of interlaced with the with the culture of gaming. And the, the second thing is retail, and, and uh, or the third thing is retail, and that's really our focus this year. Even with even with this coronavirus stuff, is is we think that we're going to open up a bunch of retailers this year. Um, yeah. Okay. And so whether it's um, uh, whether it's like game or or, or uh, we're talking to in Europe and Zalando in Europe or or eventually like you know our our, our we want to do something at Lids, which is an American store, or or, mm. or even Dick's Sporting Goods. I think it's eventually going to go there. But you know, we've just got to figure out how to tell those stories because that's how you sell merchandise in places like that. You have to have a story. You can walk in with an NFL story; it's really easy, mm. right? But the esports story is something that needs to be developed. I need to be able to go into a store and say, "This team and this team are bitter rivals, right? They're also the two biggest teams in the country." I'm just making this up as a as a broad thing. You need to mm. these two. You need to pair together to create the story in your, in, in your account and, and just yeah. times that by whatever amount of different stories we can tell, you know, and that's really what we're working on. So I think that's what will get merchandise sales up again, but it goes back to best practices, right? This is what traditional sports did. This is what, you know, you know, you walk into any, 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 uh, any, any sports venue in the world and there's a, there's, there's a pro shop, right? You know, sports mm. merchandise is everywhere from like, you know, core sporting goods shops to, 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 to airport gift shops. I mean, you know, that's all the sort of, stuff that we can pull from i mean how long does it take to get to that scale i don't know but you know that's 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 the roadmap you know that's certainly the the basic roadmap it was funny some of the data i remember hearing in the past um and i can't speak for the exact numbers but it was a traditional sports team that was 
talking to a friend of mine comparing average spend per fan on merchandise for Intel Extreme Masters in Sydney, um, which is, uh, I think I sold 11,000 tickets last time, um, compared to one of their events. And it, it matches like what, what you were saying. The spend was much higher per customer, maybe 10x, but there's only one there's only one big event, international event in Australia per year anyway. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, over, over time they're spending less money, but in one hit, yeah, sure, they're spending more. And it's how do you get more out of it? And my question always is, um, you know, what's the, what's the quality and what's the purpose of the merchandise? Like, is it just, um, if you compare, like, say, band merchandise to sports merchandise, you know, a lot of sports merchandise is just the jersey that they're wearing. You know, when I was a kid, I was a massive cricket fan. So I had a cricket jersey, you know, I bought maybe two different years worth of cricket jerseys and such. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think with esports, a lot of people saw the word streetwear and tried some poorly designed, you know, poor quality kind of streetwear to ride that wave. Or a lot of the time, you know, what you see is an esports team will launch and then what they'll do the day after they launch is they'll sell merchandise with their logo on it, which doesn't have any meaning or anything behind it too. I'd be interested to see from you, like, you know, what what kind of merchandise are, you know, are your customers looking for? Uh, well, I think, you know, it's a great question. Um, there's sort of two two sides to that. One is that we talk about all the time. The, 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 I'll take the I'll take the what kinds of merchandise first because you know yeah. it goes back to what I said about surf and skate, right? It's 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 esports is a is a you know it's a it's an act you know it's 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 made up of fans or active participants, so that mm-hmm. by def- by default sort of creates this lifestyle. So you know there is no again going with surfing, there's no billabong of Manchester United, mm-hmm. you know, but but there's billabong plus ten, twenty, thirty others in the yeah, world. Yeah, Silver Roxy, yeah, never yeah. ending, right? So, um, you know, and of course there's, there's a few exceptions to that. So if anyone's out there going, no, 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 what about that brand? I get it. Right. But, but, but generally speaking, that's, 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 um, you know, the difference yeah. between surfing and a traditional sport. So, I mean, esports is right for that. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I think you've got a, you've got a time and a place where kids are looking for that stuff. Anyways, I mean, remember esports, esports, you know, is, is sort of peaking around the time that, and I'm, no, no one in my company is allowed to use this word except me. Supreme, right? Um, but that's been around for God, ages, right? And it's now just sort of hitting a, a certain stride. Uh, anything mm-hmm. on, on anything, uh, you know, on, on off of Melrose and Fairfax and, and Ally, that whole that whole scene. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just all these sort of confluence of different things coming together. So I do think that esports merchandise. There's you've got you know you've got this. You know, we like to just use circles. So you've got an inner circle, a medium circle, and an outer circle. And that inner circle is that core fan, you know, that's going to buy everything that their favorite puts out, uh, whether it's the it's it's the yearly jersey or the the, the hoodie drop or mm. you know, the collab with New Era or whatever we end up doing over time or Champion or something like that. You're going to buy every every one of those pieces because that's what they do. That you know, mm. part of their life. You know, um, and you've got that sort of outs that that middle circle fan, which is sort of getting into your sort of traditional sports fan that's going to all the matches and I guess in this case watching streams or wherever, watching your favorite goes to in, in, in time and you know they're they're the sort of quote unquote season ticket holders of esports, if you will, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, they're they're probably they're they're you know, if 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 this sort of tracks the way we think it's gonna track, those are the ones that are just buying, you know, good quality replica stuff, say, you know, replica replica on stage wear or, or, or the, the, the sort of companion hoodie or the hat or whatever. And then that outer circle is the casual fan, which is maybe just buying a t-shirt because they're kind of into so-and-so, you know, those are pretty mm. standard ways to look at very simplified, but standard ways to look at how we look at the market. And, and, and so far that's kind of what's happening, but that, 
inner circle in esports is in and of itself a billabong, I, I think, you know, or has the ability to, to we can have fun with product and in and, 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 and that way, you know, which is what we're trying to do. Mm. Yeah, I think I think we talked about this in a call, right? It was the that book by Seth Godin, um, This Is Marketing, you know, I listened to an Audible recently. And I guess that's another crossover with the music industry. You know, he was saying that you can survive with a thousand super fans. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a band and, you know, you've got a thousand people who will purchase every single gig ticket you go to, you know, you're doing 200 person gigs at, you know, 20 $30 a ticket, they'll purchase every single album that you release. Still, they'll buy the CD and they'll buy the record. And I've seen, you know, some bands are back to releasing cassette tapes for good or for worse. So they might buy that too. You know, they'll buy every single hoodie drop every single year when you do your one or two t- two, um, tours a year and, and such and such. And, you know, that's it's something that works for Twitch streamers in the market. And, you know, maybe something that, that esports teams, in my opinion, aren't focusing enough on. Um, you know, another thing that he mentions there that resonated with me super strongly, and I've probably said this like 20 times in my recent content. So for those of you who have heard me say this, I'm sorry, but it's more so that I think so much in esports, people are focusing on the millionth customer, not on their first 50. You know, my girlfriend is is going through getting into powerlifting and losing weight and such, and she's got an Instagram profile that now has over 50 followers and she's looking to grow. And, you know, saying to her, reach out to some of them. Some of them are messaging you. So reach out to them and say, hey, why do you follow me? What kind of content do you want to see me do? You know, what brought you to here? How did you discover me? Because then you know that most likely the 49th customer is going to have very similar thoughts, feelings, and intentions to the 499th customer, to the 1,087th customer. Sure, people will change a little bit, but if you really inherently understand like those first ones, and then you can go from there. Because I see so much esports teams almost see these buzzwords where they go, okay, streetwear, I need to make a long sleeve shirt, long sleeve t-shirt with some writing that goes vertically down the sleeve with my mm-hmm. gaming team on it. Done, tick, tick that box. I've got streetwear. Yeah. I'm going to be yeah. And then they also see the word of content. Okay, I've got to make some content. Let's take some selfie videos when we go to the next ESL tournament. But, you know, they're, they're held by a shaky hand and the microphone quality is crap and the lighting looks like my studio does right now, which is not great. Um, and, you know, they go, okay, I've done content. Let's tick that box off. You know, where are all the sponsors? Where are all my fans? Why are they not flocking to me? But I think that, you know, if you look at the motivations for things like Phase and 100 Thieves and such, you can see there's so much more thought that goes behind it. 100 Thieves doesn't just do a streetwear because of the sake of doing streetwear. You know, Phase came out of, you know, kids basically playing Xbox, doing stupid stuff and screaming into microphones, 360 no scope, which is if you play the game and you want to be good at it, it's the worst thing you could possibly do. But, you know, they have that that more core understanding of, of where things need to go. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, other esports teams need to think a little bit more like that and a bit less like a, like a corporation, which is funny because they're setting the new culture by being here. But I think it's very easy to fall in those traps of, well, hey, Team Liquid's doing it. They've got a big valuation. Cloud9's doing it. They've got a big valuation. Maybe I should do it too. Yeah, that's why, that's, you know, that's why I like words like disruptive and better to ask for uh, forgiveness and permission. I mean, that, that's why you do it. But you had said something yeah. a few minutes ago, I I'm not sure it's the exact same context, but, you know, punch above weight. You know, I like that line too. It's, 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 you know, um, uh, that's, 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 that's an important point, I think, because, um, you can punch above your weight if you do exactly what you're saying, which is, which is basically, I would say what you're saying to me now is if I was to have to put it in four words, just like think outside the box, right. You you know, it's, it's super important. And we've, we've got teams that doesn't matter if you're big, 
a bigger team or a smaller team, if you're, if you're thinking outside the box, if you're behaving, um, you know, in, in, in a certain way with, with your, like you're saying, your content and, and, and your messaging and, and, you know, th- this is going to be an overused word pretty soon, but you you know, your brand voice is, is, is on, on, on point, you know, and, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I, I always think of face clan as a great brand voice. And the reason that, that they are is what you just said is because it's just some guys that started playing on an Xbox, you know, and that thing evolved into, you know, that, that evolved into what face clan is now. And, you know, they've got a, they've got an authentic brand voice. I mean, we just did a deal. I mean, most pro- people probably know this, but we just did a deal, deal with Alt. You know, there's a couple brands out there that are sort of bubbling under in terms of a the first endemic esports brand. And you know, we wanted to get involved with one because you know, again, we know what we are. We're we're sort of backroom guys. We're sort of sort of um, marketers and producers and distributors and and and, and planners. You know, we none of us are necessarily yeah. that one guy and like you know really the the litmus test for for alt was is like nate right nate's the kind of guy that walks into room and everyone's like there's nate from alt you know that is maybe the most important thing about anyone's brand you know you can look at any other brand and there's going to be bob hurley right everyone knew who bob hurley was uh uh, paul frank you know these are i used to live in southern california so these are guys they're always around you know the dude i forget his name the guy started affliction you know these are these are sort of recent success stories and and mm. and that is completely important and, and 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 it's also something you just are i don't know this sounds sort of corny but you're born with you know i mean nate alt is just that guy he's that guy you know the guys at face clan just come across as those guys um and that's 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 you know you, you've got to have that to, to you know nate shot too right so i mean hundred thieves is another mm. great example um I, I think I disagree with you a little bit where, where, where you've got those types of brands that will rise above and whether there's gaming attached to it or, or not is, is relevant, but some of the teams, I think they just have to sort of, you know, sort of celebrate what they do have, you know, and if, and if you're really good at your, at your gaming, you celebrate that. If you're, if, if, if you've got some really good conf, con- content rec- creators, you celebrate that, you know, you just get, you got to go with what you got. Right. But yeah, definitely a way to punch above your weight um, no matter what you got. And that is just sort of planning and, 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 and sort of being aggressive about your product and smarter about your product and staying on trend. And yeah, but I think we both are saying the same thing. It's just like, if you're just going to put out a jersey that has your name on it with a sponsor, no one cares, right? As, as much mm. as you do when you sort of really have a story behind your, behind your product. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, brand voice or also like brand identity and understanding, you know, who you are. And I think, you know, in, in one of the podcasts that with Nicolay, who's got a massive passion, he's, he's made the esports ads. He's doing like a compilation of all ads in esports to help people do better. And he's a real branding guy. And talking to him about, you know, if, if you were to say, what is phase, you know, you would say kind of content creators, streetwear, lifestyle culture. You'd say, what is hundred thieves? You'd probably say content and streetwear mixed with esports performance. Um, if you would say team liquid and cloud nine, you would probably say traditional sports style, you know, winning at all costs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that, um, part of his challenge was, you know, if you were to, go to a general member of the esports public who likes a game that both Team Liquid and Cloud9 participate in and ask them, what's the brain difference between those two teams? Would they be able to tell you that? And understanding that as the company yourself, you know, like you were saying, celebrate what you have. So if you're like, I think a team that does that really well is OG who previously only had a 
Dota 2 team and now have a CSGO mm-hmm. team because they know that they're the best in the world about Dota 2 <clears throat> and they know that most of their players are quite introverted. But mm-hmm. they're able to make a lot of content around that. They're able to make a lot of content around No Tail, who's kind of their captain and someone been around for many years. And they understand that identity, I think, from who they are. Yeah. And they try to stay within their lane. They're not signing Fortnite influencers yeah. to try to grow themselves. They're not trying to release streetwear because, you know, essentially a lot of them are just really nerdy introverts. It doesn't make any sense for them to wear Yeezys and, and streetwear and do drops. But, you know, they're staying within their lane and doing what they do really well, mm-hmm. which is telling their story because yeah. the players yeah. won't tell their own story because yep. they don't want to. A lot of them don't yep. stream, they don't post on Twitter. You know, Arna, who's the Aussie guy, he basically retires after every international tournament. So, yeah, they're waiting on, um, yeah, playing to their strengths, basically. So where do you, actually, that was the question that I wanted to ask you before. So do you, do you have a formula for what's, what works better for you with the, with the teams that you work with? Yeah, I, 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 again, it goes back to what I was saying before. It's like embrace your embrace your strengths, right? And, and the team's that have, have embraced their strengths, have sort of made a list of of, of their assets, if you will, and um, and have sort of yeah. uh, you know you know made a plan to maximize those assets have have done well, and that's 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 that. To be honest, just thinking about thinking about no one asked that question, but as I think about the answer is uh, sort of from the hip here, it's like I can say that in our roster we've got big teams and smaller teams in every single game that have been able to. Do, have been able to do that so I, I it really comes down to you know know who you are right and we'll help you shape that into a into a into a, a merchandise program again we're not nations is not a company that that is trying to you know co-brand nations mark you know it's like i see us more like a a new era or again like a 47 it's like i want you to know who we are because we give you quality merchandise but you know, it's these aren't collabs. We're we're working for our clients. You know, so if you're mm-hmm. Team X, you're we're making Team X merchandise. You know, we're not making Team Team X Nations collab stuff. Yeah, we have a little tag and all that sort of stuff. But but you know, we're working mm-hmm. for you. I mean, so it's 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 a white label thing. Is that is that ego? Do you think I've talked about this a lot in the past? Um, about content and for me i find it really hard not to not to post engagement baiting on linkedin you know trying to grow my profile there seeking those likes you know um i try to post you know quality that reaches a smaller audience but actually means things to more people do you, do you find that same with brands everybody wants their brand to be on the face everybody wants to be gary v in the face of content do you think that's that's ego based and you guys in your opinion understand what lane you sit in a bit better than maybe some others do I don't know if it's ego based. I, I I just just think that probably my guess is is that what we do is at the end of the day maybe a little less sexy than starting a brand. You know, mm. having a brand's cool. You know, um, mm. I, I think that's probably the honest answer I can I, I can give you. I don't know if it's a question of, of 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 ego or or what. I just think it's a question of of you know expression. You know. Mm. Because I don't, I don't necessarily mean like malicious ego, as in someone just wants yeah, to be, you know, Elon Musk with twenty million Twitter followers. But I'm also thinking about like the the content that Jocko Willink does, uh, ex Navy yeah. Seal. You know, read a couple of his books, and something that resonated really well with me. A lot of the time, when you're having an argument with someone, it's just your ego arguing with theirs. Yes, yeah. you know, both people don't want to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, both people don't want to be seen as being stupid. And yeah. a lot of the time, it's you know, I've tried to focus a lot on that in the past twelve months is just check your ego and say, you yeah. know what? Like, it's not worth arguing about this. Like, you know, I'm sorry. 
that you yeah. know these are the actions and i you know it could be my fault and you're explaining why and that's it and then you can go and you can move on and i mean i had yeah. to do that yesterday and that was a mistake of my own and i remember sitting yeah. there i made a mistake in an influencer campaign yesterday that cost me some money i sent uh, a brief that was slightly wrong i wasted the time of someone and had to compensate them for their time lost because they lose revenue when they're not streaming and things like that and for a while you know i sat there looking at my phone going shit you know you have that first thought is almost like, how can I make this not my fault? <laughs> how can I make this their fault? And and yeah. in the end, I think that's ego. And I and I wonder if that's it with brands. You know, everybody wants to be that biggest brand. Everyone wants to have that public facing. But sometimes, you know, the unsexy things make the most money. There was a comedian that had a great thing that was like, you know, who owns who owns the factory that produces the plastic for those little fish soy sauce packets? Mm-hmm. You know how much how much money are they okay. raking in? Because even in okay. Australia, every time yeah. you get soy sauce, it's got little bits yeah. of fish. But they're not they're not public. You know, I mm. have a friend who's a property investor who has a you know seven hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini and like six other cars. But his Instagram's on private. He has like two hundred followers, which are really his friends and family. Mm-hmm. And you know, he doesn't go out there and broadcast who he is. He doesn't need to make a podcast. He doesn't need to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think. Maybe, you know, maybe that's part of the issue, once again, like people not wanting to stay in their lane. And I can understand why, because I find it personally really hard as well. It's like, why don't I just start a mainstream podcast instead of any sports and gaming one? You know, why don't I just post about general business? But for me, like, that's not my passion. You know, my passion isn't, yeah. um, you know, e-commerce and makeup, really. It's it's about gaming and e-sports and influences within that industry. Yeah, well, if you have, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're working in your passion and you're, and you're expressing your passion and you're making money, I mean... What else could you ask for? You know, mm. and then from there, it's scale and scale is scale can be a that's a subjective thing, right? So, you know, mm. I mean, it's 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 I've, that's the one thing is it's like I do not have a seven hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini and other cars like that guy, um, <laughs> but I've always been able to do kind of what I want to do, and, that, and so far so good. Can't can't complain. You know, yeah. So, and and for anyone getting into esports now. You know, and I'm still not quite comfortable with being the sort of sage old man with advice. But if 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 you get in now and you're doing the equivalent of sweeping floors and and cleaning screens, that equivalent in esports, and you know, fast forward thirty years and you made a go of it, and who knows, maybe maybe esports is something that launched you into the next thing that's after esports, like music did for for me. I mean, you've you've done pretty good for yourself. Every day is not going to be easy though. You know, and and and, and going and going back to your brand thing is 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 you know creating a successful brand. I mean, we know uh, that it, 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 there's two parts to that. There's a there's there's that brand voice that we were talking about, and that that ability to express something that 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 touches people. But you know, it's also there's also sort of a shrewd business side to that. And look, we're I'll t- tell you guys a story. If anyone went to PAX in San Antonio three years ago. We had this booth, like we spent a shit ton because we can swear. I heard you say it. we spent a shit ton of money <laughs> on this booth. I don't even yeah. remember much, a lot. Um, we were convinced we could walk in and we could make Nation the brand basically overnight. And I think we sold like five shirts. And it was like it's kind of embarrassing. So mm. quietly sold that booth and 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 sort of had a had a rethink. It's like, well, who do we meet at PAX? Well, we met a bunch of teams that need merch. We met a bunch of colleges that need merch. So we're like, all right, you know what? That's we're just going to go go with what we know, and just just that's what we do, and this is what we know, and this is what we're good at, um, and 
watching this develop between teams and brands and collabs and people want to get involved is, you know, we, we, we think we're finding a pretty good niche where we can operate and sort of be a, a merchandise Switzerland to a whole bunch of people. <laughs> merchandise Switzerland. So is that, is that what's coming up next for you guys? Is just really that focus on signing more teams, building what you have and, and going into that retail? Is that what you see as the future? Yeah. Yeah. We want to work. We want to do that. We want to help, you know, this big explosion in CSGO this year has been interesting. All those new leagues we've been starting to, t- I think, I think things are sort of people have tapped their brakes a little bit, but you know, I would, would love to be involved in, 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 in uh, CSGO events and some of these new leagues and helping them create uh, not only their own merchandise, but really like we were talking about a little bit ago, like pulling as much money out of these live events as we can. Just for some reason, CSGO events are just money. It's just, it's just always the better just just the better events I don't, I don't know why but that's that's been the case so far yeah it's an interesting one i think i think my answer to that is if you look at its history it's been it's been like a trial by fire for the past 20 years or something like that you know when people ask me say using australia as, as a specific example very similar to america and to europe and people ask me what the biggest esport is in australia and he would say it's either League of Legends or CSGO. And League of Legends is almost artificially inflated by the developer, you know, pumping a lot of money in. But CSGO is all grassroots. Valve spent zero dollars here. But yeah. when I was a player myself trying to, you know, as a semi-pro, trying to go pro, there was always at least two online leagues. At least once a month there was a Sunday Cup you could play online. Um, every quarter there was a LAN party, you know, in, in every major state that would have a bring-your-own-computer Counter-Strike event. There was a once-a-year $5,000 Counter-Strike Nationals event that all the best teams would do an online qualifier live finals for from an internet cafe, like a double elimination bracket. So there was just so much content over that period of time, and that enabled it to build such a strong scene. And I think developers are now paying to get what Counter-Strikers have for free for the past 20 years, where it's always had that community. It's had people like Cybergamer in Australia, you know, ESL across Europe and America, ESEA in America, DreamHack and these kind of people always, you know, jumping on, you know, that Counter-Strike bandwagon. I think it's that that maturity over over those years really shows. And I think ESL, often ESL I don't think gets enough credit at all. People kind of say, yeah, they're the biggest esports company or whatever. But understanding like where those people came from, that works there and, and what they've been through for the past 20 years. Or I think like Ralph has said what in his bio, he's been around esports since 99. Like, you know, that's pre, definitely pre esports, esports and, and, yeah, yeah. and anything, anything pre GFC esports is really commendable. And for me, I, I'm kind of post GFC era when I started working in that space, but looking at, um, you know, the championship gaming series in 2007, 2008, that was on direct TV played out of a studio commentators like fatality, um, you know, players being paid a $30,000 salary to play in a franchise-style league from teams all over the world. They had London Mint, they had Berlin Alliance, they had Sydney Undergrounds, they had LA Optic, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Jason Lake slapping the back of chairs. You know, I think it's almost like a forgotten era mm-hmm. of, of esports, and there's so much to learn from those days. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of, and I guess I kind of half asked this question for you before and, and we kind of half answered it, but, you know, the average spend per user in esports is extremely low right now, especially when compared to, say, things like NBA. You know, pay-per-view is not a thing that's really enjoyed. Um, MLG's tried in the past and maybe something that will never happen. People don't like paying for content. Um, you know, there's a limited amount of live events that people can attend. So is, is merchandise, I don't want to say is merchandise the answer, are you the messiah, but obviously you guys see merchandise as one of the answers, you know, 
of of these teams being able to make more money. I'd love to hear any data that you have that you could share about, you know, growth over time. Are you seeing these teams take their merch more seriously? Are you seeing them see a significant uptick in revenue? Um, if not, you know, when will they? Uh, well, I, I, I can say that our revenue has grown tremendously over the last three years. I mean, this is, um, we sort of call this year our, I guess it's our fourth official year. Um, you know, and I'm not just talking about sort of on a, on this axis. I'm talking like the clients that we've had for a mm-hmm. while. I mean, we've, we're watching their revenues grow. I mean, it, it's definitely growing. I, I, I don't think we have enough of a data set to basically say um, it's going to go from point to point to point to point. Um, but I would say that as long as we can get some more consistency, you know, I'd like, like I know I've said this a couple of times, but if there's more consistency with events, that will help. If we can open up some retail and get some sell through mm-hmm. some retailers, that'll definitely help. I mean, that, that's that's really where I see the growth now, you know, but it's definitely growing for sure. Mm. And I guess is that, I guess that's where the franchising comes in for you, right? Because you've got a guaranteed amount of live events. You've got a guaranteed amount of home and away games and those kind of things where you can sell things to, to people that are rocking up live. Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of the, the journey too. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, at some point, you, you know, it's, it's the bigger sports in the world or sports that have, that are sort of geolocated, right? I mean, it's like, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that most professional sports teams are bigger than even the biggest golfer Tiger and his, his prime mm. or, 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 or a tennis player or whatever, you know? And that's mm. why is that? It's like, I grew up in Boston. I don't know. I mean, some people listening to this will get this, but you know, I hate the Yankees. I hate them. I don't know why. Mm. I have no idea why, other than the fact that my dad probably told me to. (laughs) Everyone around me told me to hate the Yankees. And even even I haven't lived in Boston for God knows how many decades. Still, you say the word Yankees, I'm like, ugh. You know, (laughs) so does that happen in esports? Does, does, uh, you know, does, does, does my son, you know, you know, connect with the team? Like he's a G2 fan now. Does he connect with G2? And, they, mm. they become a they become a long storied franchise, and his kids become G two fans. Or does Nashville get a team at some point in the next five years? And in one of mm. these games, and who knows? But I, you know, it's going to take a while. I remember, all these other sports have been around for like a hundred years or something. You know, so mm. yeah, it's interesting. But there's a lot of there's a lot of you know certainly a lot of uh, people trying different things, and and that's what makes it exciting. Hey, you know, in our call, we talked a bit about um, the differences between you guys and Teespring and some influencer stuff. Can we can we talk about that on the podcast? Is that public? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're not. I mean, you know, we, we're, we're we're sort of bespoke. You know, we're again going back to what we we're saying about being a traditional licensing and merchandise company. It's 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 there's not a lot of DIY to our service. It's like our clients bring us on to be their partners in their in their merchandise. So you know, most mm-hmm. of our most of our teams are using our, our our art department, and we're sort of putting together graphics packages and. You know, and then and then planning releases. You know, they have input. We sort of tend to put it all together, and and then sort of scheduling those releases and getting the stuff produced, and and coordinating marketing and, and putting money into into content and and things like mm-hmm. that. Where I where, where where you know a Teespring services. You know, it's typically a plug and play DIY thing, which works great. You know, it works great for 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 certain projects. I mean, they're they're there there will be and our teams that I talk to now, where I'm saying, don't work with us. I mean, it's just you you know, you're not quite at the scale. For us for what we what we can do for you to really kick in and have a benefit to you it might actually be a detriment because you know it's going to cost you money and you know and 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 uh so i i think we're just you know we're, we're more of a you know we're more of a product creation and 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 uh you know brand management company than than, than just a, a plug and play we're, we don't have any plug and play mm. I mean, so the next on demand for us is a, is a is a tool 
in our toolbox as opposed to the point. Mm. Yeah, so I guess the next question for you then is is why esports are not influencers or, or wider gaming? Or is that, a, is that a plan for you guys to get into a bit more? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to get into influencers a little bit more. We've been talking about how to get in. We're talking to a couple mm. of people doing it. But, I mean, the answer is esports because that's what Chris and I went to go see at ESO. Yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, and you know, like we, like we were talking about last time too, the, you, need, you need a certain amount of scale, obviously, to work with guys like you, but I'm seeing so much success from people that are doing more of this bespoke, limited edition, limited run merchandise. You know, I had an example, and I don't, I can't say who it is publicly, but a guy with, with 175,000 Instagram followers who's making seven figures, basically, of selling limited edition hoodies and stuff. And I think he's at 200-ish K now on Instagram. So, you know, it, uh, someone of that size, you know, I think he's probably making 30% profit or something out of that, you know, per item that's sold. So that's pretty significant. That's more money than a lot of people with that Instagram size will make as a whole from any donations, streaming, you know, ad revenue, ad sponsorships, whatever. But mm-hmm. I think the main point is that it's something special that he's pushing out. There's a narrative behind it. Every single time that there's one that's pushed out, it's got a very nice um, website that's set up by the manufacturer. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the quality of the merchandise is, is good. Um, it's limited edition, limited run, and sometimes, you know, people will number them as well. You know, there's one to 100, so someone will always try to grab that, you know, number 69 and have a laugh about it or they want number one or number 100 or something special. But it's more than just, you know, that, like you're saying, that Teespring thing or the esports team releasing that just shirt with a logo on it where, you know, I had an influencer I liked and I bought one of those, but it lasted three washes before it was destroyed. And instead of spending 30 bucks on that shitty quality T-shirt, I would have rather spent 50 bucks on one I could put through 30 washes and have worn for much longer. And it was, and I found personally, you know, I'm, I'm a bit stingy when it comes to my stuff, I wear black t-shirts and <laughs> black jeans. So I don't spend a lot of money on clothes, yeah. but you know, I was, I was feeling quite disappointed. I was like, I feel a bit cheated, man. Like I watched this guy's content. I supported him, but now I just get this piece of crap in return for it that I've spent. Yeah. Money. Yeah. It's not, it's, 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 you know, I, 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 I still, you know, and, and look, I mean, print on demand technology is one of those things that sort of doubles in quality every six months or I don't know if that's true, but you know, that, that sort yeah. of, and, and, and the analogy is correct right and and, and it has its place you know we use it a lot on the music side to be honest to fill out product lines if we've got a band with a rich art heritage for example you know that's got 20 records over you know a band like anyone's ever heard of them but yes you know they've been around since like 68 69 they put out a ridiculous amount of records i mean doing a print-on-demand program so if there's one guy that one or 10 or 20 guys that want that t-shirt that's got the 1973 album that I can't even remember the name of. Yeah. They got to have that print on demand is great, you know, uh, yeah. or hot market. If, if, if something happens and we want to react to something quickly and get something up overnight, um, topical hot market stuff, it's, it, it, it's great. But, you know, going to your influencer thing was doing these, 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 by definition, these limited drops have to be really high touch, right? And so not sure who this influencer is or who they're working with, but really, you know, we fit in and whoever is working with this influencer fits in because a maybe making merchandise and distributing merchandise isn't this influencer's core competency. Number two is, is, uh, you know, management of time. I mean, we, we take over a lot of the, 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 the work there and, and really three, you know, you know, spreading out risk and in a, in a situation like that, we're taking all the financial risk and we're manufacturing the products and all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's sort of where we fit in as well so if you take you know call it the velvet glove or the high touch or whatever and 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 you know um that's how we sort of carve out our our niche right we become a partner 
Mm. The way the way I see a lot of it is is high effort, high reward. You know, mm. and that's something that I've been talking to a lot about potential clients working with. You know, I get never ending amount of people that want me to sell things for them at a commission only rate. And mm. you know, I've tried some of that stuff in the past, but I've said, look, guys, I'd rather do the the nation strategy. I really want to get involved with you guys. Like, I want to be able to you know be paid for my attention, time, and IP, but also work together towards a KPI based goal that we can actually do together. Because I found in, mm. in the you know in the past that if you know, it's it's low low effort equals no results, and I waste a little bit of time, and they waste a little bit of time, and then nothing gets developed out of it. But let's you know actually build some sort of partnership together, and using that in the same vein as we're talking about like Teespring and stuff. You know, a lot of these influencers are selling no shirts a week, one shirt a week because they've got they've got no time to pay attention to something like that. They're like, well, this Teespring shirt makes me six bucks profit and you know it's it's not that great quality and the design's actually pretty old so i'm not really going to promote it but it's still there so i'll tweet about it every now and then but what if you flipped it the opposite and said hey i'm not going to do any merchandise except for i don't know once a season once a year once a half year i'm going to do the the smithy mayo summer package and put some real effort into it make thirty dollars in margin instead of six dollars and but make it a very high quality high touch you know proper process and i think that's you know i think that's something that for me as a business owner like that i've had to come to terms with with stop doing so many things um and i think the influencers um are coming to that kind of fact too where they're yeah. you know wanting to set up proper revenue streams and kind of tick one off as they go then go on to the next revenue stream and tick that off and the first revenue stream for them is obviously twitch or youtube but once you've got that ticked what are you doing next yeah. what are you what are you moving on to to establish it all comes down to establishing best practices i mean eventually everything will settle into place and there'll be there'll be this specific service set of service providers for this specific service and this specific set of service providers for this service. And then obviously this set mm. of service providers for merchandise. I mean, it's just, it just takes time, but I, I can tell it's going there. You know, if you've watched another industry sort of be born in the past, I mean, the, the same things are happening here. So it's, 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 uh, you know, I think the future's, future's super bright. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think it's a missed opportunity, right. For people to be monetizing this merchandise. You know, it hasn't yeah. been something I think that's had enough attention in the past and, you know, people love to represent their stuff. And I think, you know, like what you're saying as well, it's that culture, you know, what like like skating has built its own shoe. There's a skate shoe. And yeah. I don't think that's saying that you need to have, hey, these are esports pants. But, you know, having that success of 100 days in phase, they are pieces of clothing that people want to wear in public. Yeah. That people might go to a nightclub and on the way they might be wearing a 100 days yeah. spray jacket. Because yeah. it looks cool, and it's, gonna, it's not. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's and it's not about you know plastering logos and um, you know like a like a NASCAR team that's got um, you know four hundred logos on a jacket or something like that. It's it's about you know celebrating that lifestyle and that culture through the expression of, of what you're wearing. And I would say, you know, and, and, and this might be a polarizing comment, but I think that's where you focus now. I I, I, I don't know. You know, we talk about it all the time and we, we're, we're, we're putting time into figuring it out and like talking to people about, like, to your point, true performance wear in, say, esports jerseys or whatever. Yes, there's some mm. improvements we've been talking about. And we've, especially on the Sector 6 side, we've we've played with different kinds of fabrics and meshes, as of other people, you know. But, mm-hmm. I, but, I, but I think really the the place to be most creative now really is, is, is sort of that, you know, using merchandise to express the personality of your team and let, and let the technical wear catch up. That's my personal opinion. Either people are going to agree with that or they're not, you know, and I'll also say that we're, you know, hedging our bet and looking at the other side, but that's just my personal view is that, that there's a lot more room to show expression and, 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 and build your brands through, through just, 
you know, creating really cool stuff that people want to wear out, out, mm. like you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's those other it's those other mainstream influences I think coming into that space now too. And one thing that we're we're pretty much out of time now, but you know that maybe we can discuss about on the next podcast that we talked about is um, you know, these sports. You these, invite me back. Yeah, for sure. Good. Right. We'll get we'll get you back. <laughs> maybe you'll be maybe you'll be in the office next time instead of uh instead is of quarantine okay? at home. Yeah, no, this is not this is fine. But yeah, it's it's interesting for me the the pull of esports from traditional audiences. You're seeing never-ending NFL players, NBA players get into the mix. You know, we've we've talked a little bit about musicians. I think that that's a, I think that's a bit of a gap. You know, not a lot of musicians are getting heavily into it. UFC fighters is a, is a massive one. So many UFC. You know, I did a deal with a with a light heavyweight in the UFC and EA. Um, you know, there's a bantamweight who's um, kind of rising through the ranks at the moment who streams on Twitch. You know, almost every day. Uh, and things like that too. So I think that it's it's great to see, like you were saying, it's that counterculture of esports, it's that punk rock s kind of thing that's now pulling in other people from the industry. And then I guess for you know you guys, it, it makes sense that you're sitting in the middle of all of that. And like you said, you know, you worked on screen printing, not ever thinking that a maybe you'd own a company in that space, or b especially that you would get into esports, which didn't even exist at that time really. Um, but it's it's the same with esports. You know, I'm doing a lot of work now with traditional sports people who I never thought. That I would have at all. Well, I think they're, they're, they're. I think they get it a little bit quicker. You know, I think one of the issues with music is, you know, we talk about integrating music and esports. And we have these conversations all the time, just because of people we know. I mean, um, they're mostly from a from a label side, right? I mean, we're talking to you know, you know, Warner Brothers or Sony or, or Universal or whoever about how can mm. they get involved to sell music. And you know, we've been successful in, in some ways, and I know there's other things going on in that space. Um, what we really mm. need to start talking about is how individual band member who who is a, a, a good, decent gamer in his or her own right and already has a, a following you know through their music how, how we can cross them over those are the guys i need to introduce you to i've got a couple mm. of them. yeah no sounds good sounds good and it, yeah. it's just there's so many possibilities right like thinking from the the fighters stance you know talk to a talking to a boxer Actually, it's one of the terrible things of coronavirus. This kid's 19 and 0, um, and, you know, he got his match cancelled two days ago on yeah. St. Paddy's Day fighting at Madison Square Garden because it yeah. could, have, could have progressed him towards a title shot in the future. Well, yeah. he'll never say that. You know, it's a possibility. But, you yeah. know, talking to him, he's saying, like, I only fight three times a year, so what do I do for the rest of it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still yeah. training every day, but you can only physically train for so long. Mm-hmm. Similar with a lot of artists, you know, they might they might go on a tear, they might be like Flume and they might do 99 shows in a year. Like I think I watched his 99th show at the Sydney My Music Bowl, mm-hmm. but he's likely to have a break after that. So what does he do for three months if he's not in the studio? Like is there some gaming content he can do? Uh, and, and is there a way that he can do it authentically? You know, don't necessarily just all of a sudden start up a Twitch stream and doing daily vlogs about how cool Fortnite is because yeah. your fans are going to be pretty damn confused. But yeah. if you can start like working it into what you do and start talking about it in, in content or on Twitter and on Instagram stories and then maybe do a meetup and maybe go to an Intel Extreme Masters event and then jump on stream, like that's a that's a great way to start doing it. Look, I mean, there's a chance that if you're not in esports and you have fans, you're an athlete or a musician or something, uh, you know, your fans are gaming as well. I mean, so, but yeah. you just gotta, like, like you're saying, you got to find that, that sort of organic way to make that connection and not just like drop it on them. Like check out yeah. blog about Fortnite. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen both sides personally, for sure. Yeah. You know, working with some Instagrammers and, you know, having that access now to that data, which says, you know, this kind of, this many followers realistically means this many concurrent viewers mm-hmm. uh, on streams one to five, you know, stream one, you might go live with 300 but then by stream five you're really sitting at 40 but yeah. don't be disheartened because 40 concurrent viewers is way 
more than anyone else starts with. Most yep. people start with most people start with zero. Hey, the big esports podcast, we're on Twitch as well. People are watching us here. Most yep. of our streams get zero to three. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's not our main focus, but still, it's you have to start from somewhere, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. All well, right. I've taken up I've taken up a lot of your time. We're an hour and fifteen well, in. So. It's fun, man. It's been fun. Um, yeah, this was a really good conversation. It's just like a, it's like a fireside chat without a fire. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you guys see my dog? Hope everyone saw my dog. She's now down. She's now downstairs eating. I don't know if you heard her barking, but yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, well, I'm going to head off later today to go pick up a camera. So hopefully the next yeah. the next podcast we do, I'll have a beautiful Sony A5100 here without oh, yeah. these lighting problems, and yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have an even better second chat. But thanks, thanks for coming on, man. It was awesome, and I got to say, I went through a nostalgia trip of listening to Panic at the Disco after we had our meeting. That's <laughs> I had to go back. Nostalgia trip for you, yeah. Like like Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin's nostalgia trip for me. So Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah. a lot of those a lot of these bands that we talked about were, you know, my high school memories, yeah. I guess. That's what I'm because I knew there'd be a, the reaction for you. Um, but uh, all good. Um, I think my mom's watching her. She was. I don't know if she made the tower art, but t- today would have been the first time ever she's ever heard of Twitch. So I ah, there you go. If she's watching, hi, mom. How's it going? Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, mate. Well, thanks so much for coming on and yeah, definitely we'll get you on for the next one. And right. yeah, look forward to look forward to see where you guys take, you know, Nations, what you're doing and, and also doing some work together with, with some music people in the future. Yeah, let's do something. Let's do something. We'll get, get connected, reconnected online. Thanks for everyone who's watching. Um, and let's, uh, let's get through this coronavirus thing together and come out, mm. come out the other side and start kicking ass again. Awesome. So for anyone who wants to follow you online yourself, um, or yes. wants to follow your your companies that you own and you, and you work with, where can they do so? Uh, I'm my Twitter account is at We Are Nations CEO, and then the company Twitter account is at We Are Nations with a with a the line. What's that called? Um, like an underscore or a dash? Not a dash. The one below the dash, like when you're below it. Like an underscore. Yes, underscore. Yes, those yeah. are those, those are our Twitter accounts. Instagram's the same. For, for, for nations. Um, and there you go. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Maiden. And thanks right. to everybody who's tuning in live on Twitch, LinkedIn Live, watching the VOD later, or listening to the audio only podcast. We're doing about two of these per week, and we're producing a lot more content now um, that a lot of people are sitting at home. So if you have any uh, guests you'd like to see, you'd like to come on yourself, feel free to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, which is just linkedin.com forward slash Smithy May or at Twitter at Smithy May. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For show notes, relevant links, and upcoming projects, you can check us out online at bigesports.gg or follow us on our social medias at bigesports underscore gg. 